0: us online. We're so appreciative that you could be joining us this morning. It's a beautiful day here in Seattle and uh, as we begin, I want to make sure those of you who are online. Um, if you're not already there, we highly encourage you to go to our online platform, which you can find at onelifeseattle.org forward slash live. There you'll find um, just kind of the best way to feel connected. It has our Bible and live prayer app, a chat line. It's got important links and resources. Today for our, our notes section, there's stuff there. will help you kind of walk through our sermon as well. Um, so it's just kind of the best way to connect. Um, to what's happening here on Sunday. That said, however you choose to join us online, we're just thankful that you could be with us. Hope you enjoy our time. And for those of you here present, thank you for being here. I know on a beautiful sunny day, sometimes it's hard to go inside a building because you usually want to be outside. So we thank you for choosing to be with us this morning. It's so great to worship and, and hear your voices in person. So last week, if you were here or if you were with us online, Greg, the other co-lead pastor, introduced a new sermon series that we have just launched called Embodied Presence, Faith, uh, Expressed in Relationship. And in doing so, he explained that over the next kind of weeks leading us up to Lent, that we're going to be looking at our mission statement and call as followers of Jesus um, to live this kind of faith out in our practices thinking about what that looks like with regards to values practices and distinctives with the hopes of being a light to our community and i love how he explained the word embodied the em- word embodied means to be an expression of or to give a tangible or visible form to an idea quality or feeling and so That means what we're going to be looking at is what it means to embody the three words that make up our name in our mission statement, which is One Life Community Church. Now, Greg spelled this out in a wonderful way, looking at those three words, particularly one life, that we believe we experience fullness of life when we are connected to the one life of Jesus, particularly the triune God that the word community gets us at this idea that we believe that there is fullness of life when we are rooted in and serving our community. And with regards to the church, we believe that there is fullness of life when we identify and participate in being the church, nothing more, nothing less. And our short way of saying this is One Life Community Church following Jesus, loving people, and serving our city. So we're going to spend the next kind of eight weeks or so, three weeks at a time looking at each word or part of that statement. And last week... Greg launched the series talking about the foundational part of one life and that was the relationality and reality of the triune God, what it means for us as humanity and our relationship with God. And so if you missed it, I highly recommend you going to check it out. It was fantastic. Um, But this week, today, we're going to tease out some more of this kind of relationship idea and what it looks like to have a relationship with the divine by talking about the topic of prayer. This week as I was walking my dog, I often listen to podcasts and I was listening to this one with um, pastor, theologian, and author Leonard Sweet and he made this statement that I thought was so good and it's really going to tap into what we're talking about today. He says this, Jesus came to show us how to be fully human and what we see in Jesus' example is that you can't be fully human without being in relationship with the divine. I'm going to read that again. Jesus came to show us how to be fully human, and what we see in Jesus' example is that you can't be fully human without being in relationship with the divine. And so with that, it's only fitting that we begin our time by connecting with God. So I'm going to open this up with a time of prayer, and and then we're going to dive in. So let's pray. Father, Son, Spirit, we thank you that you want to have a relationship with us, your creation. And not only that you desire that, but um, you give us the gift of prayer so we can. And so this morning as we talk about this topic, there's no way we could obviously address everything here. We do pray that you would just, um, in a unique way by your spirit, invite us into a deeper relationship with you, wherever we're at. Maybe we've never even thought about communicating with you before. Um, Help us to be invited into what it means to have a relationship with you. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, prayer is something that gets, in my opinion, really misunderstood. And it's a topic that oftentimes, off, honestly, most often, you, you're kind of guaranteed to well up feelings of insecurities, comparisons, you name it, which is really sad. Because these days, prayer gets discussed as this task that you, you have to do, it's a requirement. That there's this specific formula to it and that there's a right and wrong way to pray. That there are all these certain amounts of time that translate to what is a healthy amount of prayer or not. Not to mention the struggle that we might face with unanswered prayers or or prayers that are answered in ways that we don't like. And then with regards to prayer, we get caught up with all kinds of questions like, do we have to use formal language? Do we have to use thee and thou's? in our language when we pray? Can we ask for this? Can we ask for that? What are the limits to what we can ask for? Do I have to pray every day? Do I have to pray three times a day? What if I don't know what to pray? And then there's so many books, sermons, studies, you name it on the topic, it gets overwhelming very quickly. And so then we're kind of just stuck. Where do you even start? And so before we begin, I want to think about and have you think about your own experience with prayer? Um, maybe take a few deep breaths as you ponder these questions. You don't have to shout out these, but as you think about prayer, how has prayer been taught to you? As you take a few deep breaths, think about these. What is the point of prayer? On a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your prayer life? Does prayer come easy? or is it hard for you? When are you most likely to pray? How important is prayer for you? And when you think about people who know you, do people know you as a person who prays? These are all really great questions. And again, even thinking about these can well up feelings of comparing, inadequacies, where, where am I at in this? And so, What I want us to do as we begin, I'd love to hear from those of you here present, those of you here online, hopefully we can connect with you as well, but a simple sentence I would love for you to finish with honesty. If you were to finish the sentence, how would you do this? The sentence is, prayer is blank. How would you fill that in? What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of the phrase, prayer is, how would you fill in the sentence? If you're in the room, you could shout it out. If you're online, please feel free to share it and we'll try to connect your thoughts into that as well. Anyone? Prayer is what? Yeah? Interacting with the divine. Prayer is interacting with the divine. Awesome. Is talking, to God. talking to God. Okay? Yeah? Powerful. Prayer is powerful. Okay? Someone else online, Jerry, said conversation with God. What else? And think of it too. It doesn't have to be necessarily you're finished in the sentence as trying to define what prayer is. It could be what is prayer for you, right? It could be maybe prayer is difficult. Yes? Listening. listening. Prayer is listening. Gabe says connection. Or, I'm sorry. Gabe says Renee says it's connecting. <laughs> Jane says talking to God. Uh, Chris Pope says prayer is intimacy. Good. What else? Anyone else? Making sure, checking my things here. Hope and peace. Okay. Fantastic. You see, prayer uh, was going on way before Jesus was around. Um, oh, sorry. Aaron Tasto shared the ACTS formula the ask, confess, the, you know, the, the, Thanksgiving, supplication, there's a formula. Ralph says, prayer is what I want to do. Hmm. Great. Um, as I said, prayers were going on way before Jesus was around, and depending on how you study the Bible, you could find literally hundreds, hundreds of times prayer comes up just in the Bible. And prayer's been going on since the beginning of creation because prayer is the means to which creation connects with God. And I'm a firm believer that there's an endless amount of ways in which we can connect with God through prayer. And I believe the purpose of prayer is that it's the way in which we have a relationship with the triune God and the one life of Jesus. You see, so often when prayer is taught, we hear something like this. If Jesus was the perfect son of God, um part of the Trinity, if if everything was perfect for Jesus and Jesus needed to pray, then all of us sinners who constantly screw up absolutely need to pray, right? Has anyone ever heard something kind of like this? Like, if Jesus is perfect, needs to pray, well, of course, all of us who are messed up, we need to pray. And it creates this idea that the core motivation and use of prayer is not our need, that it, it is we have a need for help, Right, that the core of prayer is that we have to deal with guilt. We have to deal with our inadequacies. And that's why we pray, because Jesus was perfect. Jesus had to pray. We're messed up, and so, of course, we have to pray. But is that right? And it can morph into the idea that we can't do anything without God, which also lends itself to this feeling of guilt. But let me ask you a question. Wasn't humanity communicating and in relationship with God before the fall, before sin entered the world. You see, I'm 100% confident that if we're feeling guilty about how, when, and why, and where we pray, that it's not from God. That God did not create prayer as a way to make us feel guilty. Rather, it's the greatest gift we've been given, the ability to connect with God. And if Jesus is the exact representation of God, or to say it differently, the perfect embodiment of of God, as it says in Hebrews 1.3, then what we see Jesus showing us in how he prays is an example of what it looks like to have a relationship with God. Amen. Amen. And so trying to tie this back to last week's teaching on the Trinity, at the very core of the Trinity is the essence and expression of pure relationality. The triune God of the universe and all creation, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is the perfect example of relationality, and as humans created in the image of God, this is designed and built into our very core as well. It's not just that we are designed to be relational beings, that's true, it's that we are specifically designed to be in relationship with God. And so with Jesus now present with us, that's what we celebrate in Advent, God with us, both fully human and fully divine, we see him living out and embodying the truth that we can't be fully human without being in relationship with the divine. And so when you think about it, Jesus enters our world in the same crazy, messy, vulnerable way we do, needing to be in relationship with humanity and with God in order to flourish. And throughout his life, Jesus shows us this and lives it out for us to see through his prayers. And so for the remainder of our time, what I want to do is look at some examples of how Jesus embodied prayer as a way to connect with God. And there's no way this is going to be exhaustive. Um, so hopefully you can stick with me. Um, but I want us to dive in. And it starts with uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says this, One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Now, right off the bat, there's a lot to learn in this passage beyond what leads to the Lord's Prayer, which is great. Um, but for one, I want us to notice is that we learn what sparked the unnamed disciple and his curiosity to learn about prayer was the fact that he witnessed Jesus praying. What spurred on an interest to pray was seeing Jesus praying. And we also learned that John the Baptist was teaching his disciples to pray, and as a result, the disciples of Jesus, or at the very least one of them, finds themselves interested saying, I want to learn how you pray, Jesus. Which I think it's quite interesting that out of all the disciples, only one asks Jesus to teach them how to pray. At least that's what the scripture says. And sadly, I think this is the case for the church. I guess uh, I would estimate, and I'm, I'm saying the church in general, not necessarily our church, but let's, let's go with both. I'd guess one in 12 find themselves with the desire to deeply learn how to pray. Not just understand prayer or have an idea of what prayer is, but to really learn from Jesus how to pray. And I believe it's due to how we've often had prayer taught to us and what's at the core of it. And so my hope is, just like this disciple witnessing Jesus pray, has the desire to learn how to pray, as we look at some examples of Jesus, it might well up some invitation in us. And I'm going to bust through this, so hopefully you can stay with me. But the first thing we see with Jesus in his examples of an embodying prayer and a relationship with God is that Jesus prays for others. For example, Matthew 19, Mark 10, Luke 18, Jesus prayed for the children that were being brought to him. We see an example of this in Luke 19:13. says, then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and to pray for them. So we see Jesus praying for others. We also see Jesus praying for his disciples and for his persecutors in Luke 22 and John 14 and John 17. In Luke 22, at the Last Supper, Jesus predicted that Peter would fall away and deny him. And look what it says in verse 32. It says, but I, this is Jesus praying, I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. I have prayed for you, Simon. I just love this picture of Jesus praying for his friend. And I've always wondered if Simon found great comfort in that. I don't know how it is for you when someone sees you're struggling and they say, I've been praying for you, what that feels like. Imagine knowing Jesus praying for you. He prays that his faith would not fail. Now, there's lots of examples where Jesus prays for others, but we also see that Jesus prays with others. Luke nine twenty eight reads that Jesus took Peter, John, and James with him and went up to a mountainside to pray. And there's lots of examples where Jesus invites his disciples or prays with other people in relationship. And that's something we make a point of doing here every week, whether you're online or present here. We have people ready to pray with and for you. But that's not all. Jesus prayed alone as well. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. You see, as much as Jesus understood the value of praying with and for others, he also understood the need to pray alone. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. And Jesus, Jesus models sometimes that it's important for us to be still before God. And one of the best ways to do this, especially in our hectic culture, is to do so alone with God. And Jesus does this often. And it connects to the next idea, and that is that Jesus prayed in nature. I noticed Jerry often online comments about how he went for a walk this morning and was able to connect with God. Jesus prayed in nature. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. What better place to commune with the creator than among wonders of nature? Luke six twelve says, One of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. He could have gone home. He could have gone to the synagogue. If he was near Jerusalem, he could have made it to the temple to pray. But there were times when Jesus made space to just pray where he was, and it was often out in nature, often on the mountainside, often in the wilderness. I'm sure many of us have experienced this times when we're here in the Pacific Northwest or out and about on a hike or something and are overwhelmed and connect with God. This morning, I got up early. Sunday, nobody else gets up early. Not even my dog is motivated to get up. I get up, and I walk up to this one room in our house called the Sky Room, and I got to see the sunrise. The sky, I called it God's light show, because it seems like it's been so dark lately, and I woke up, and I was overwhelmed by the color. And it made me, in the midst of my kind of getting up, trying to get going. What am I remembering? All those kinds of things. It helped me have a moment where I could connect with God. It reminded me I'm not alone, that God is at work. And so Jesus does this sometimes. Jesus prays in nature The other thing we see is that Jesus prayed for various lengths of time. We always wonder, how long should I be praying? And and the Lord's Prayer is an example of a a prayer that's full of wisdom, but it's also short and easy to remember and memorize, and it it serves as an example of that. But Jesus also knew how to dedicate long times to pray as well. And as we read in 6.12, not only did Jesus spend time on the mountainside, but it says he spent the night praying. The entire night. In my previous church, um, the lead pastor would often lead these 24 hours of prayer. And the idea was that that we'd fill 24 hours with a number of people to to provide 24 hours of nonstop prayer happening. And of course, the middle of the night was the harder time to get people to sign up. And there was this one guy who was on a prayer team named Marvin who was in his 80s. He was the slowest moving man around, but when he would start to pray, it was like he got energized. And so he would take all those late night ones. And I would go sometimes to pray with him, and I would struggle to stay awake. Marvin, in his late 80s, he would just be like a little kid, just going. He couldn't stop praying. It was amazing. Now, thankfully, having longer times of prayer doesn't require it to be in the middle of the night because that wouldn't work as well for me. Um, But it's just a good example that there are times when Jesus prays a sentence, a word. And there are times where Jesus spends the entire night And so it just opens this picture that prayer is not locked into a sentence or two sentences or an hour or two hours. It's conversation. And it's in those situations and circumstances of life that it changes and adjusts because it's a relationship. The scriptures also tell us that Jesus prayed regularly. Regularly. The insight of this is made clear in a passage in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, where it says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And that word often isn't hidden. It's there, right? It, it makes it obvious that Jesus prayed regularly. And if you were to go through the Gospels, especially Luke, which has the most examples and stories that testify to Jesus praying then of all the Gospels, what you see is it was simply part of his life. It was regular. It was natural. It was integrated into what he did. And to be clear and fair, this was also the case for Jewish culture, right? Like it was part of the culture. It was embedded into that culture that people would make space to pray often. Whether or not they're praying to God specifically as we understand the Trinity to be, that culture did this. But what's important to note is there's a reason people asked Jesus to teach them how to pray because Jesus taught, or did prayer differently than the way the culture did it. Which is why when the disciples see that in the midst of the culture that does have prayer embedded into it in many ways, they say, I want to learn from you. Teach me how to pray. We see that Jesus prays prayers that are heartfelt. That he didn't pray in these cold, kind of distant ways that were disconnected from relationship, but they were heartfelt. That there were words of supplication demonstrating empathy and, and, and genuine love for God and for others. And it's demonstrated best if you look at John 17, which we don't have time to, but it's, it's right after he starts laying out what's going to happen, predicting his death on the cross, his resurrection, being denied, all these kind of things. And in, John 17, he goes into praying for himself, then he moves to praying these incredibly heartfelt prayers for the disciples, and he even continues to pray forward into the future for those who will eventually come to know Christ. But not only did Jesus pray in a heartfelt way, Jesus also taught us to be persistent in our prayers. Luke 18, verse 1, it says this, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should pray, always pray and not give up which is interesting because there's another time when Jesus talks about praying and says, don't get up in front of the people and make it all this big scene, all those kinds of things. But he's saying here not to be kind of the the agitated disciple that just kind of keeps whining and asking the same thing until God kind of changes his mind. Rather, it's about persistence, waiting on God and God's timing, which is important, right? Because there's times we've all experienced it where we're praying and it feels quiet, It feels like there's no response. And Jesus says, I I understand there's times like that. Don't give up. Which leads to something else we see Jesus do in his prayer life, and that is um, that Jesus knew that not all his prayers would be answered as expected. Anyone ever prayed for something and we didn't get an answer, or maybe we didn't get the answer we expected? This is a hard one. But the fact of the matter is that not all our prayers are answered in the ways that we expect or, or how we hope. And Jesus knew this by experience. Crying out to God the Father from Gethsemane in Matthew 26, three times Jesus prays for God to allow something different to happen. Can this go in a different path? But Jesus would follow it, not as I will, but as you will. And unanswered prayer is a challenge for us as followers of Christ. But it's something that Jesus experienced. And I don't know about you, but that's really helpful for me. To hear and understand that Jesus can identify with my struggles with unanswered prayer or prayers that aren't answered in the way that I had hoped them to be which then reminds us of another thing that Jesus embodied with his prayer, and that is that he ultimately prayed for God's will to be done. And we see this both in the way he teaches the Lord's prayer, but as well as Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane, Jesus taught us and modeled for us to pray for God's will to be done above all because Jesus knew what God's will was was best. And that's an important reminder because Jesus went through some stuff (laughs) None of us would ever desire to go through. Let alone want God to have us go through those things. And yet we have this model of your will being done. He didn't just talk about this and say, here's a great thing. But he embodied this reality. The other thing we see is that Jesus prayed before every big moment of his life. Now, I'm just going to give you some examples. He prayed at his baptism Luke 3, that was the official going public, starting his three years of ministry. And as he's praying, there's no uh, coincidence that the Holy Spirit then descends on him and the Father speaks to him saying, you're my son whom I love and I'm well pleased. There's this relational connection. You're about to start this. And, and God enters in and shows support. Jesus prayed before feeding the 5,000 in Luke 9 and before feeding the 4,000 in Matthew 15. He prayed at the moment of his transfiguration in Luke 9, and the scriptures tell us that before Jesus chose his 12 disciples, he spent the night praying on the mountainside in Luke 6. Jesus prayed at the return of the 72 disciples in Luke 10, and Jesus prayed at Lazarus' tomb in John 11. These are huge moments in God's story through Jesus. In Jerusalem, the week of Jesus' arrest, Jesus predicted his soon-to-come death. And as he spoke of this coming sacrifice, Jesus prayed a very short prayer in John 12, 28. One sentence, Father, glorify your name. And in response, Jesus' prayer, a voice from heaven says, I have already glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And then spending his last few minutes with his disciples on the night of his arrest, Jesus prayed an extended prayer known today as the high priestly prayer. In John 17, we already talked about this. There we see Jesus as an intercessor praying for those people. And he says that they, he prays that they would have his joy. He already knows what's going to happen. He's saying, I want you to experience joy, that God would keep them from the evil one, that they would be sanctified by the truth, and that they would be unified in that truth. And Jesus even goes on to the future and prays for all those who will eventually believe in him. And then going on, later we see Jesus praying in deep emotion and agony in the Garden of Gethsemane just before his arrest in Matthew 26, where we again see these prayers of uh, submission and sacrifice, right? Incredibly important moments in Jesus' story every time we see him praying. And we even see Jesus praying on the cross, In the midst of his agony, his first prayer echoes Psalm 22 and expresses his deep distress where he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Matthew 27, Jesus prayed for the forgiveness of those who were torturing him to death, saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And in Jesus' final breath in Luke 23, Jesus continues to express his faith in prayer by saying, Father, into your hands I commit your spirit. So as we look at this list, there's this huge list of examples that Jesus shows us, embodies, lives out in what prayer looks like. All these big moments in his story. What do we do? with I mean, that's a lot. And that's not at all exhaustive. What do we do with all of this? You see, as we think about our mission as a church, and particularly our focus on the one life of Jesus, it's our hope that we become people who embody these things that Jesus embodied, that we are representatives of Jesus. And as a church, we believe that Christ is the way, the truth, the life. We sang that new song this morning. That's the example we are to embody And what we've seen is that Jesus embodies for us a picture of what it means to flourish as a human, and it's directly related to having a relationship with God through prayer. I don't know how many of you saw it, but this last Wednesday we sent out our midweek email that has resources and announcements and those kinds of things. And and one of the resources in the adult section was a link to an article on prayer, and um, I thought it listed a couple great ideas about wherever you are in your prayer journey, how to consider maybe what would be the next steps moving forward, deepening your relationship. Whether, whether you've never thought about it before or you've been a person of prayer for many years, things to consider. So I want to kind of get us through our end naming a couple of these. The first one, some thoughts on growing in prayer, is to recognize from the start that prayer is difficult. And to be clear, Jesus never, you study the scriptures, never says, guess what? I'm going to talk to you about prayer, and it's super easy. Never. There's no quotes of Jesus saying prayer is easy, which is why I believe Jesus gives us the Lord's prayer. He recognizes sometimes we won't know what to say. And if you think about it as any relationship, there will be times when communication goes really well and times when it's not easy. The key is to keep going and to keep pushing through which leads me to the next one. Just do it, right? There are times when praying is the last thing you will want to do or even think about, but relationships require not only love and sacrifice, but they require determination and perseverance. And if your prayer life's feeling dry, keep praying. But don't pretend. Think about your own relationships. If you're feeling a dryness in your relationship with your spouse or your best friend, you don't give up and you don't fake it, you be honest about it. Tell God where you're at. Be ready to listen. Be expectant. Sometimes showing up is half the battle. Number three, recognize the importance of structure. While there is a risk of regular pair. Prayer patterns becoming repetitive and boring, it can also create peace and order in sticking with a routine. Setting aside some time every day to pray can help establish a rhythm or a pattern of life to prompt you to pray throughout your day as well. For centuries, monks have followed structured prayer patterns for every season of life. At the grad school I teach, we have three times a day where these chimes go off in the middle of whatever's happening simply to remind us to pause, to pray, to, to, to acknowledge the presence of God. So sometimes structure can be helpful. But I also want to say the fourth thing is that to try different things. Because structure is good, but on the other hand, nothing will starve your prayer life quicker than monotony. Right? The two must be balanced. The same thing day in, day out can become boring quickly. So try different ways of praying. And hopefully, you see in the examples of Jesus all kinds of examples, not one. So try things you've never thought about before taking a walk, painting a picture, writing a poem, reading scriptures. Getting a book of other people's prayers and using those to pray through. Use prayer apps. I started exploring prayer apps and there's some really fascinating ones. Journal. Sometimes people like to write out their prayers. It's easier for them to write their prayers out. Set reminders. Pick themes to pray about. Pick one person that you know each day and pray for that different person each day. Try different prayer postures. Maybe sometimes you pray with your hands up. Maybe sometimes you're on your knees. Sometimes you use your hands. Sometimes your eyes are closed. They're open. You name it. Try prayer breathing practices. And all the while, whatever it is you're doing, tell God what you're doing. Say, God, I'm trying to be creative here. I'm trying to connect with you. I'm painting this as a way to connect with you and see what happens. And finally, it's final, but maybe it's the first one ask God for help. Perhaps the simplest way to pursue a life of prayer is by asking God to help. And so if we can't even communicate with God to ask for help in our areas of our relationship with him, how much is it going to be a struggle in other areas? I love what Romans 8.26 says. It tells us that when we don't know what to pray for, it says the spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans. Have you ever sat down to pray and you just almost kind of take a deep breath and you're almost kind of like, oh, it's like I don't even know where to begin. Scripture says that's okay, that the Spirit enters in and helps us. It might not even be with words. It might be sounds. It might be actions. It might be a moment of rest. It might be a song. Because God knows. I, I've been talking a lot, and I need to stop. And what I want to say is that although we've talked about a lot of examples and we've given some recommendations, there's no quick easy solution to kind of saying, here's how prayer is going to be perfect for you. It's not going to happen. And I'm never going to stand up here and tell you, prayer is really easy and you're just going to start doing this and it's going to be great. Um, For most Christians, it's a struggle. It has ebb and flows, just like any relationship where you feel connected and other times not so much. Um, But here's the thing. The effort that you're putting into it will always be worth it because you're always stepping forward in your relationship with God. And what Jesus embodies for us is that to flourish as a human means we need to be in relationship with God. Even if that relationship is struggling, that's better than not being in relationship with God. We need to be connected. And so my hope is that as we've looked at these examples of Jesus, as we've talked about prayer, again, not covering everything, My hope is that it invites you to view prayer in a new way. Not a requirement, not these systems are, you know, kind of this way or that, but simply to invite you to remember that prayer is a gift, the gift of relationship with God. And as we close, I hope it invites you to kind of struggle in that and grow in that. As we close... May we be people who embody the example of Jesus in how we grow in relationship with God through prayer. That There will be times where there's high emotions and struggle. There'll be times of tears when someone passes away. There'll be times where people need help and support tangible needs that we can be praying for. There'll be times where we don't have words. May we be men and women who rec- recognize in order for us to flourish as humans, we need to be in relationship with God. And so we do what we can step by step growing in that. Amen. I'm going to invite our worship team to come forward. And as they do, I'm not going to give you questions or applications. and I've given you plenty. Um, uh, the worship team is going to kind of just give us some space to think If that's closing your eyes, taking deep breaths, and praying, if that's taking advantage of the prayer team, which the prayer team will be here ready to pray with and for you, again, if that's something you would like, if you're online, you can use that prayer app and just click request prayer. They would love to do that. But the space here is designed to let you do what you need. Confess, to own, to give thanks, to dream, whatever it is. But really at the core, it's designed for you just to connect with God to have a space to do so because that's our hope is that wherever we're at in our relationship, we're just taking a step forward into growing into that. So I'm going to close us in prayer. Then the band will give us some time just to reflect and then we'll sing one last song of response. Thank you so much for sticking with all of this content. Um, Let's pray. Father, Son, Spirit, uh, we do recognize the gift that it is to be in relationship with you. That our life cannot flourish as you have designed it when we're not in relationship with you. And thank you for the gift, knowing that you designed us to be in relationship with you. Thank you for this amazingly open, beautiful way that we can connect with you that's so diverse. And we just confess, God, that we don't always remember to connect with you. That there are times where it's a struggle. There's times where we don't know what to say. We feel um, insufficient or insecure, disconnected. Um, But God, as we've remembered the Advent season and God with us, we recognize your presence. We thank you that you are with us. And we thank you for the example, Jesus, that you embodied of what it looks like to connect with the triune God in relationship. And we pray that just as that one disciple witnessed you praying, as we look at your word and see your example, that we might be invited in to learning how to pray based off your examples. That we would experience your grace and your truth, your hope, your love. And may we be men and women who embody this relationship as well, that others would see what flourishing looks like because they see us growing in our relationship with you. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.